0: What's this tower all about? about? You're listening to What's this Dao all about?
1: doing the show remotely from Long Beach, California in a little studio with a bunch of guitars in it, uh, and um, my buddy's ashes, and some books, and uh, some audio mixers, and Mm. a whole bunch of Star Wars VHS tapes, and a big Hunter S. Thompson poster in my little studio. Dr. Totten, where are Mm. you doing the show from today?
0: Hello, everybody. I am in my office here in North Hollywood in the Taoist Institute. I'm looking at a poster of a Taoist immortal on the wall in front of me, and a photograph of uh, two of my teachers, including my Zen master. And I have the altar from Self-Realization Fellowship, you know, Yogananda, right, with uh, Babaji and Jesus and Krishna on it. And uh, so I'm surrounded by immortals and teachers.
1: (laughs) Wow. You can't go wrong when when you're around that kind of influence. <laughs>
0: yeah, it look it looks good. It looks good, you know. And we need to look good and feel good these days because we've had a lot of hot weather and we've got uh, fires and disharmony and uh, all, all sorts of uh, things happening in the world that um, we we need kind of a, a places of refuge, internal and external. I think these days. <laughs>
1: And hopefully we can provide that. And if you've been listening to our show and feel that we do provide that, we do give you the option of uh, financially supporting us because it does take a bit of time, effort, and money to get this show uh, out to you. And you could do that by donating at com. $15 gets you an unreleased episode Mm -hmm. where uh, you can find some of your talents, maybe some of your latent talents. And then $35 gets you that and guided meditations by none only than Dr. Carl Totten, who will take you right into the sacred space of the heart, a place that you have never consciously visited before, and it's in your own body. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the Taoist opinion on death. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I found some good new information on that uh, via the New York Times. I, uh, we also have some listener mail and uh, uh, some of the work on The Man of Dao by Chong si. hmm So the other day I was uh, skipping through the internet and I found that the New York Times has been doing a series on the different opinions of death uh, that are posited by different spiritual traditions. And as part of that, the author talked to someone named Brooke Anthony Zipporian, Z-I-P-O-R-Y-N, so I'm mm-hmm. going to say Zaporian, maybe, mm-hmm. who's a professor of Chinese religion, philosophy, and comparative thought at the University of Chicago Divinity School. hmm And he's also the author of several books called, including The Penumbra Unbound, The Neo-Daoist Philosophy of Go's Yang, and *Chongsa: The Complete Writings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had these interviews and they discussed major how major faith traditions deal with death. And so they asked um, Dr. Zaporian about what he thought about the Taoist concept of death. Because I know we get these emails all the time. And I think one of the leading reasons why people begin to pursue spiritual ideas and come to Taoism is they're concerned about, you know, uh, their soul. And whether they'll live a and what happens after they die, you know, because we're this brief moment of consciousness that we're here long enough to think oh my lord what happens after this or where has uh, Aunt Millie gone after she passed on uh-huh. and where is my dog Checkers You know. <laughs> so people are questioned about these and, and Taoists tend to believe as we have reported on this show that there isn't really much of an afterlife but that our essence the energy that animates us tends to kind of just flow throughout and everything else as does our physical body but, so they talked to this doctor about it, and first they asked him, is there a soul? And he said, Taoism has no concept of the soul per se. The person has many souls or many centers of energy which must be integrated. Mm-hmm. All are concretizations of more primal, formless continuum of energy that they are part, like lumps and pancake batter. <laughs> These are neither perfectly discontinuous nor perfectly dissolved into oneness. And I think that, wow, that is... Such a perfect way of looking at the kind of centers of energy in our body.
0: Yes, yes, yeah, that and was really nice.
1: That, I think that Doctor Totten, your job is you are kind of a uh, a whisk that smooths out our internal pancake batter.
0: <laughs> you know, the uh, the ancient Taoists, you know, they talked about, uh, you know, the they they did talk about the kind of the soul and the spirit. You know, the, the, the what they called the hun, the h u n, right, mm-hmm. was kind of like the heavenly and more spiritual soul, as opposed that leaves the body on death, as distinguished from what they called the pole, the earthly and more material soul. You know, and then these, of course, are multiple and have different uh, levels. You know, and and so there, uh, there, there was kind of a uh, one that was attached to the body. And when the you know the body dies, that mm, dissolves, uh, and then there but there's the spiritual one that is uh, immortal, because energy cannot be destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't create it, you can't destroy it. It's eternal. You, you, it's kind of like the the ultimate nature of the Tao itself, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so the Chinese had ways of parsing out you know each of these and kind of describing. Uh, the different aspects, you know, in my doctoral dissertation, uh, which was kind of based on a lot of this, uh, it, my my dissertation was on altered states of consciousness, uh, as coming from a Hindu and a Buddhist and a Taoist perspective, really.
1: And you you talked about how some of these altered states of consciousness consciousness aren't necessarily positive and can have a negative psychological effect on us, something we don't normally associate with positive things like meditation.
0: Yes. And, 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 of course, since I was studying clinical psychology and I was interested in meditation, you know, I, did, I, wasn't, you know, I didn't think it was going to fly if I just talked about, oh, one, meditation is this wonderful thing and, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy, isn't everything right with the world? <laughs> you know, and <laughs> Not so <the> case. <laughs> they're, they're, that wasn't going to fly with my uh, doctoral committee. <laughs> and, and so I had to, t- to talk about what happens when someone is meditating and they lose it. You know, they have a psychotic episode or a depressive episode or an anxiety attack. How, what can clinical psychology do to assist these people and to maybe... Uh, are are there some ways to anticipate who that might happen to and therefore might we be able to steer people in the right direction based on their personality characteristics as to what types of meditation is likely to be more helpful and healthy for them and what to steer away from. That was the subject of my doctoral dissertation. Um, And uh, I found out, I think, some really interesting things (laughs) about that. Um, you know, people who are really unstable and feel anxious and don't get along with people very well and uh, aren't quite sure what they're doing half the time. You know, they're always going to be looking for answers, right? (laughs) You know, who who wants to walk around feeling that way all the time? And so one of the places they may wind up is listening to shows like ours, going to see psychologists or psychiatrists and others, reading books, Uh, listening to podcasts taking courses and taking yoga and things and depending on their personality that might be the greatest thing that ever happened to them but if they're more vulnerable and they start to get into certain types of meditation where you kind of let go of your ego controls and a person doesn't have a really integrated ego then they can become overwhelmed with anxiety And they might even have a complete psychotic break. Uh And so at the end of my dissertation, I I produced three documents. (laughs) One for clinicians, you know, for therapists, for how to help those people. One for meditators, people who are thinking about going into meditation, helping them select the proper type of meditation. And one for meditation or yoga teachers for dealing with students. Who are coming in and making sure that they teach the right thing to the right person? You know, I, I'm thinking I i need to get that book published too. Yet another, yeah. <laughs> yet another. The good thing is it's already written. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, that's that's the hard part. <laughs> I have to just take out all the academic references and things in there because you know it's written for a doctoral committee, you <laughs> know, at Pepperdine University, and so I have to make it more popularized. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: Well, let's get back into our discussion of death. We don't want to get off the topic of death, Dr. Tong.
0: Yeah, well, Uh, you know, know, but but see, the thing is that when people go into these states, they feel like they're dying. Oh. They, They actually feel like they're dying. And we know from people who are in high states of consciousness who are able to integrate all of their experiences, they actually transcend the fear of death, which is one of the great states to arrive at in life.
1: It's like when Peter Fonda turned to John Lennon and said, I know what it's like to be dead. (laughs) And then uh, John Lennon wrote, she said, about
0: that. (laughs) Wow.
1: So uh, the doctor here says that in the... So basically the, the interviewer asks... How does Taoism conceive of death? And the doctor says, In the Chongsa, there's a story about death and a special friendship formed by humans in the face of it. Four fellows declare to each other, Who can see nothingness in as his own head, life as his own spine, and death as his own backside? Who knows the single body formed by life, death, existence, and non-existence? I will be his friend. So... Chang's is kind of saying that we should all be completely conscious of our impending death, where we existed kind of previously to being conscious, and where we are now mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor continues to say that we go from formless to form, this living human body, and then again to formlessness. Mm-hmm. But all three phases can constitute a single entity ever transforming from one part to another. Death to life, to death. Our existence when we're alive is only one part of it, the middle bit. The nothingness or formlessness before and after our lives are part of the same indivisible whole. Mm -hmm. Attunement, Attunement to this becomes here a basis for a peculiar intimacy and fellowship amongst people while they're still alive since their seemingly definite forms are joined in this continuum of formlessness. You know, I've always thought that I don't know. Maybe it's just me the way I think, but I always think that like existence is a strange thing, and I don't think enough people are talking about that. <laughs> the fact that we're here, and you know, we may we may have these myths we tell ourselves about the after death and life and God and all this stuff, but uh, in reality, I think many of us on a deep level are are thinking like, "What the hell is going on here?" Like, I'm here, I wasn't here, and now I'm here, and now I'm dealing with all this stuff, positive and negative. Um, life is strange, and it's almost like you want to tap another stranger on the shoulder and go, do you get what's going
0: on right now, man? <laughs> you, you know? Life is def- uh, life is definitely strange. That is the most accurate thing you've ever said in your life, Todd. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I was right for the first
1: time ever on the show. But, Often I'm like, you know, we're almost kind of all in this illusion where we're going about our days, we're going about our jobs, we're going about raising kids, we're making podcasts. And every once in a while I have this moment of quiet and I go, this doesn't make sense, man. Like, (laughs) what is happening here? I don't know why I'm here. I don't think there's a reason for it. Uh, I'm going to go. But then I always come to the end part where I go, oh, well, you know, while I'm here, I got to make the best of it and, you know, have a good time and be good to other people and ho- you know, hopefully, hopefully do that. And then, you know, have an extra scoop of ice cream because, you know, may not tomorrow I may not be able to have that, you know,
0: <laughs> live so, in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's existence is strange. But but then I go, Dr. Totten, do you think most people have that thought or are they just kind of bought into what's
0: happening? Most people, I think, don't really think about it. Unless and until something happens and they have to think about it. For example, if you suddenly caught a, a ter- terminal disease, see, so now you have to think about it. All of us know people wh- who we loved who have died, and we might have thought about it then. Uh, but then, what, is, what do we try to do as quickly as possible after so someone we dies? On, yeah.
1: Well, mm-hmm. we, we try to be like the Hindus, where we go back into that state of Maya. About death, you know, um, to forget about it and not consider it.
0: Right, yeah, we want we want to move on, right? Move on, right? Uh, huh. So, what what is the quote appropriate response to death and dying, uh, and dying? Uh, now, the ancient Taoist said, what? "What is the movement of the Tao?" Uh, the movement is returning. Returning, returning to what? The source. The source. Uh Aha. What was the source?
1: Uh, Where whence everything came from.
0: And the source was the void. Mm -hmm. Is the void empty? Can Can something come from nothing? No. Can it or can it? <laughs> well, uh, the thing, well, you,
1: hey, hey, this is a question out of my pay grade, Dr. Togner. Okay, You're the expert here. I'm
0: the guy who makes jokes and writes the show prep, okay? No, the, no, the, the person who thinks they're the expert is the one who's really in trouble. <laughs> so I don't claim that. <laughs> I'm just an observer, a conscious observer, uh, asking questions and making observations. <laughs> I know better than to call myself an expert. <laughs> I called you an expert. I think that, and you can't change my mind. <laughs> ah, but but this is the ultimate dilemma, right? All the great philosophers east, west pondered this dilemma. This dilemma, th- these questions about life and death, and awareness of life and death, and mean, and and then of course, what's the meaning of it all? Because as human beings, we're what meaning. Seeking organisms, beings, yeah. beings. You know. So, and is there an answer? <laughs>
1: well, you know, it was like when we were talking about the last show, how Zen Master Hoon, your spiritual teacher, when you tried to approach him about anything having to do with meaning or putting together a narrative of life, he he didn't laugh at it, but I mean, he just he just he disregarded it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because he's so aware of who he is, where he's been, and where he's going. Three questions, by the way, that I tell every one of my clients that they're going to have to grapple with if they're seeing me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, He's so aware of that, he's at peace. He's absolutely at peace. Because he's living the only place where we can live, present moment, moment by moment, all the time. And that's very difficult for the average person to do because the average person is stuck, either stuck in the past or dreaming about the future and bemoaning either what happened in the past because they were traumatized or didn't have what they needed and anxious about the future because they're worried about what's going to happen. And right now, of course, looking at the state of the world, you've got a whole world where people are worried about what's going to happen (laughs) and with the way things are going. And we're being kind of forced to live in the present moment in a very uh, quarantined way. And so I think that a lot of issues are bubbling up to the surface that people are having to deal with, and we're unprepared. We're very unprepared.
1: Uh, there was one final note that the doctor made talking about uh, Chongsa and his opinion on death. Uh, basically, he was talking about the light-hearted approach and how you know we all have to face death at certain point, and how Chongsa kind of found humor in it, and humor in the fact that our different uh, essences will uh, you know make their way across the universe. As uh, to quote John Lennon again. And he says, you know, in the story about the four fellows facing death, one of them suddenly falls ill and faces imminent death.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He muses contentedly that after he dies, he will continue to be transformed by whatever creates things, even at his body and mind break apart. His left arm, perhaps, will turn into a rooster. His right arm, perhaps, into a crossbow pellet. His buttocks into a pair of wheels, <laughs> his spirit into a horse. How marvelous will that be? He muses, announcing the dawn as announcing the dawn as a rooster, hunting down game as a pellet, riding along as a horse and carriage. <laughs> so that's you know it's beautiful. It's that uh, understanding that we are permanent, and who knows what magical life forms we will kind of become part of, and on a bigger level when we talk about Taoism we often talk about this just entirety of existence and how everything is interconnected so if everything is interconnected the energy that animates us, our physical bodies, then is there even really such a thing as life or death?
0: That's a good question there obviously is such a thing as life because we're here manifesting it and we all have witnessed the end of at least what appeared to be the end of life. We've seen, you know, things being, you know, uh, vegetation, right? We've seen trees grow leaves and fruit, and then the leaves wither and fall off and die, and the fruit fall off and uh, rot on the ground and disappear, right? Now, in nature, what happens when the fruit falls off and disappears and things get mulched down into the earth? They smell. They smell.
1: Yeah. Um yeah yeah they get mulched down and they just become part of the lawn. They help fertilize everything.
0: And that leads to what? Greater growth. New life, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know uh, what what happens when you uh, yeah fer- fertilize uh, the the ground uh, or, or a field, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you put waste in a field, something that is essentially has exhausted its um life um and yet it provides the nurturance for new life. You know, uh, you know this endless cycle of birth, growth, uh, mat- maturity, and then uh, death, and, and then the, the renewal and transformation of that is, is literally the, the cycle of re- existence, at least as we are able to perceive it here now in the third dimension. Part of our problem is that, what I just said, we're, we're, we are we're in one aspect of reality, and our capacity for perception is really, really narrow. You know, in the electromagnetic uh, spec, mm-hmm. spectrum or yeah. field, the part that we are able to perceive It's just a teeny, tiny part of that spectrum. All the rest that's outside of that, we have very little to no clue about what that's like at all. I think one of the things that happens as we go deeper into meditation is that our capacity to experience that domain, that dimension, begins to expand, and we get glimpses of it. Mm. Uh, 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 when, when a person has a deep dive into that, a deep glimpse into that, what sometimes happens when people take certain uh, chemicals, certain plants, whether that's ayahuasca, or someone has a really transformative experience with mushrooms, or or some something else, or no, nothing about
1: it, Doctor Carl taught. I don't know
0: why you <laughs> mentioned that to me. <laughs> <laughs> or deep in meditation, or for unknown reasons just has an experience of awakening of a uh, Satori, a moment of Satori, where they just kind of wake up and seem to have an experience of enlightenment and they just suddenly understand everything, kind of like what happened to me when I was 19 years old. Uh, Or the Buddha. Or the Buddha, right? The Buddha means what? The awakened one, right? Mm -hmm. It's a a man who woke up. and. I I deeply believe that we're all on this little rock, this pale blue dot, to awaken. (laughs) This is our mission. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to (laughs) awaken to your true nature. That is your mission in life. (laughs) You hear
1: that, listeners? That's your job. If you didn't know that you had a job or you were searching for one,
0: that's as good as any, isn't it? Your mission, should you decide to accept it.
1: And, dang it, we're both here having this conversation because, unfortunately, we decided to accept we it. We decided
0: yeah. to accept it. Yeah, lucky us. I guess we're lucky. <laughs> but but that, but, then, but then we're condemned to ponder these questions. <laughs>
1: day in and day out. You know, in Taoism, in, in they often talk about how, you know, the, the, the true man of Tao has forgotten the Tao. <laughs> and he just moved on with his life. You know? And I kind of wonder... You know, will there be that moment? It's like, "Sorry, Dr. Carl, we're not recording our conversations anymore." I've decided to forget all of this.
0: We've let it all go. <laughs> That's right. We're going to return to the great Tao and, and return to the source. <laughs> That's right. One day we won't be here. And this won't be a show. Actually, but one me- of, one my one of my 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 two I have I, I have a few spiritual teachers right now and uh, one of them who I'm also looking at uh, right next to uh, the picture of the Zen master is a man named uh, Dranvalo Melchizedek. He's the, the head of the school of remembering and I'm a certified teacher in that school of the awakening the illuminated heart. And oh, we've yes. been talking about that heart meditation where we go into the sacred space of the heart. I've been this man's student for like 20 years and I so I learned this essentially from him. And uh, he told he he had a a Zoom call a few weeks ago with the his certified teachers around the world, and uh, he told us that he's finishing his, uh, you know, he has a series of books on uh, the ancient secret of the flower of life, kind of the sacred geometry that kind of explains the sacred geometry that kind of explains all of this. And he's, and Volume 3 has been on hold now for like five years, and he said that he's almost done with Volume 3. It should be out this year. And then he has one more conceptualized, Volume 4, where he takes it kind of to, out into space kind of into the the next level and how the energy of space is connected to the energy of the human soul and wow. he says when he gets done with that he's out of here you know he's 80 years old he's in great health but he says once he finishes that fourth book there's no reason for him to be here any longer so he says don't be surprised if he leaves his body and let's go because he says all the action is up on the higher dimensional levels, up in the fifth and sixth dimension. He says it's a big party going on up there, and uh, he, he he can hardly wait to get there. So wow. he says, "I'm out of here," <laughs> you know, pretty soon. Don't be don't don't be don't be shocked. <laughs> wow, that's.
1: Should get him on the show.
0: <laughs>
1: so we're gonna finish up uh, this episode. We're gonna do listener mail, but we're getting a little long here. So we're gonna finish with uh, Chongse's "Man of Dao," which is one of Chongse's writings about the Man of Dao and how he behaves. But I always say that it could be also the Woman of Dao. Yeah, the person of Dao, the person of Dao. Exactly. Most most important. But you know, it was a little different. It was less PC in Chong's day,
0: huh? <laughs> <laughs> even though uh, many people have commented that Taoism, as a perspective, uh, is actually ver- very much aligned with that you know, yin, that kind of the more receptive attitude, what some have called the you know more feminine, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, that's actually kind of the overarching kind of field that the Tao is contained. Uh, uh, that kind of expresses m- much of uh, the Taoist uh, concepts and principles.
1: Yeah, as, they always, uh, as Lao Tzu said, know the masculine but
0: keep to the feminine. Keep to the feminine. Yes,
1: yes. So, Doctor Totten, would you like to read "The Man of Tao" by Changsu, translated by Sam Hamill and J.P. Seton?
0: Well, let's see. Do I have it <laughs> somewhere? <laughs>
1: oh, did I give it to you? I, I, well,
0: I can. Where read it. is it? Do I have it? <laughs> uh, it's, it should be in the show prep.
1: It's okay, I'll read it. Oh,
0: wait, let me see. I've got several pieces of paper here in front of me. <laughs>
1: I know, yeah, same here. Okay,
0: yeah, I do have it. I do have it. <laughs> I just had to find out where, where I was. Where am I? <laughs> here, here in the great Dao, what what island of the great Dao am I inhabiting today? <laughs> so, Chances, is a man of Dao. The man in whom Dao acts without impediment harms no other being. By his actions by harms no other beings by his actions. Yet he does not know himself to be kind, to be gentle. The man in whom Tao acts without impediment does not bother with his own interests and does not despise others who do. He does not struggle to make money, he does not make a virtue of poverty. He goes his way without relying on others and does not pride himself on walking alone. While he does not follow the crowd, he won't complain of those who do. Rank and reward make no appeal to him. Disgrace and shame do not deter him. He is not always looking for right and wrong, always deciding yes or no. The ancients said, therefore, the man of Tao remains unknown. Perfect virtue produces nothing, no self, Is true self, and the greatest man is nobody. Mm. (laughs) The
1: greatest man is nobody. I love
0: it. Isn't that fabulous? Yes. You know, here you know, Tranza is reminding us, among other things, to let go of the ego, not needing to hold oneself out as anything special, not even as kind or gentle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, he he is tolerant and accepts others as they are and does not eat, make poverty a virtue. <laughs> like, yeah. look how poor I am. Aren't I great? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's like having a false sense of humility, right? Yeah. To, con- to conceal one's arrogance. <laughs> yes. You know, letting go of pride by not identifying with the ego, but, but instead by returning to zero or no thing, no self, as the greatest man is nobody. You know, this level of non-attachment is very Buddhist in many respects. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, letting go of even the need to let go by simply going with the flow and allowing things to move naturally and trusting in the innate wisdom of the Tao. You know, this is the greatest person, is nobody.
1: (laughs) You know, I think in the beginning of it, it says, you know, the man whom Tao acts without impediment harms no other being by his actions, and does not know himself to be kind or gentle. And it's like when Lao Tzu says that kind of manners came out of the lack of Tao. Yes. Because people weren't act, acting in natural accordance in which they would have been mannerly and treated each other well, mm-hmm. that disconnect meant that we had to create manners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you, know, you have to sit and you have your fork, this type of fork here, this fork here, a napkin here, when you're sitting down... Is more of not uh, more of a reflection of trying to create order, because allowing people to be themselves wasn't working out, or people didn't have faith in the natural ways of other people. Right,
0: right. Yeah, uh, they, they they weren't schooled in the way of the Tao, and so they created disharmony, and then people had to create rules and structure and uh, you know right relationships and all of that in order to try to avoid uh, uh, chaos.
1: <laughs> and, and here it's like. The man of Dao, woman of the person of Dao, is not somebody who um, is self-righteous about their kind of higher moral being. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's not. He's not patting himself on the back, going, "Oh, you're so gentle."
0: It's like that man we mentioned, right? the The the, the billionaire who gave away eight billion dollars and didn't tell anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and also. Uh, Let's see here and also you know he does he, he goes his way without relying on others it does not pride himself on walking alone you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there that they take a lot of pride and the, they're like I'm my own man and you know rugged individualism and they use it as a sense of pride and to Lord over other people
0: they or use there in fact they use it as a club uh, to uh, attack people you know who don't who aren't as ambitious as they are or who's or who's or in whom life's circumstances has put them in a more um, vulnerable position. They have yeah. ve- they have very little tolerance or respect for people in that uh, state.
1: Yeah, people have just put their energies towards different ends. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so he doesn't take pride. And also, it's like um, the man of Tao is a is is an individual, an individualist who has. Their own unique characteristics and is truly themselves, so maybe a total nonconformist. But at the same time, doesn't sit and again club people over the head with it. It's not like on the show South Park when they'd have the cool goth kids mm-hmm. and the cool <laughs> goth kids would be doing their own thing that was actually just regimented goth behavior and looking at the other kids and going, nonconformist, You know? And yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a difference in life where there are people who are truly unique. And then those who just try to dress unique or act strangely in order to appear different, you know what i'm saying there's 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 a difference between those two people you know we know the people who are faking and trying to put on like they're totally different because they they want that attention or whatever versus people that are just truly unique, you right, know right some people are just trying to look cool <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um yeah, so I you know this is this is a great Little piece, um,
0: yeah. Okay, I'm done with my notes here. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Tr- is great because the way he frames things, he uh, kind of in sharp relief, you know, <laughs> which I think allows us to uh, h- hold on to and differentiate some of these ideas about the Tao uh, with more clarity. And yeah. I think that was kind of the great gift of Transa. You know, the clarity that he uh, brought to the teachings, I think, is really special.
1: And I think he also knows who he's talking to, and that somebody that would be interested in his ideas or Lao Tzu's ideas might be somebody that, in their quest, that one of the reasons for their quest to become a better person or to become more in line or enlightened would be to become powerful and lorded over others. And so it's kind of knowing your audience in that way that they speak, say, hey, look, these are powerful ideas, but. They require responsibility, and for you to kind of keep keep them under your hat.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, in in these uh, days, you know, that where everybody, the world is under enormous amount of stress and tension, and there's social and uh, racial unrest and political unrest. You know how how. Can these teachings of uh, Lao Tzu and and Tron Tzu help us find some sense of p- meaning, purpose, not to mention equanimity, balance, inner peace, and calm? You know how 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 are the how can these how can these teachings help us? <laughs> <laughs> and because and obviously you know these teachings have been, haven't been around for what twenty five hundred years, some of them, uh, and translated into more uh and translated into more more time obviously this these teachings have been speaking to a lot of people for a long long time Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like every each succeeding generation around and different cultures around the world keep finding relevance and meaning in these ancient ancient words from so long ago and Every day I think it's helpful for anyone, you know, listening, you know, our listeners listening to the show, to just slow down, sit down, and just pay attention to what's going on in your head, in your body, and in your breath. Those three instructions, by the way, were the core seated meditation instructions from my Taoist teacher, you know, who was a priest in China. Mm. And his fundamental meditation was earth meditation and sky meditation. Earth meditation involved sitting down, feeling one's connection to Mother Earth because that's our mother. Without the earth, we literally wouldn't be here. (laughs) And while sitting on the earth and feeling our energetic connection to the earth, we did a mindful meditation where we observed our mind, our body, and our breath, Mm -hmm. the breath of life. And just notice that. Anything else that comes into awareness, you notice that for a second and then let it go to returning to gentle observation of the mind, the body, and the breath. At a certain point, Everything disappears and you find yourself going right into the void, a place of no time, right? You know, you know one, one has kind of, you feel like you have literally returned to the source and the nurturance and the peace and the love and compassion of that state of consciousness is so incredible that it makes kind of everything else worthwhile. That is the the central teachings of the ancient masters of the Tao from China. That that and then connecting with the heavens, or the sun, is the other. And so if we can connect with the earth, feel the energy coming from the heavens, the cosmos, and then link all three together, us with heaven and earth, you know, the ancient Chinese constantly said what? The heavens Mm -hmm. above, the earth below right yeah. the ancient alchemy they said uh, you know uh, you know as within as without right as above as below so right uh, hermes of greece you know the father of alchemy you know said that and so in in that juxtaposition of inside and out heaven and earth with us being the, the next the wheel of the third wheel you might say uh, of this trinity is where we ride that that line between the yin and the yang, that ridge pole of the universe where we have access to the totality of all within the Tao and return to the source of unity and peace. That is the way of the person of Tao.